You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The US jobs numbers came out on Friday and they were a slight miss, but I mean, what is 9,000 jobs between friends? On the telephone now to describe the numbers is economic and financial independent analyst Liston Mainchies from Liston at Liston.co.za. And people make a big fuss about this list and the market went rocketing up afterwards. But to me, it was much of a muchness. The US is, it's not booming, but its jobs scene is doing very well indeed. Well, absolutely. Unemployment rate, 3.5%, lowest in 50 years. We have to cut rates to save this economy from something. (laughs) I'm not sure what we're going to try and save it from. Hmm. But let's look at the numbers, Lindsay, because if I say 3.3, 3 3.3, 3.0, 3.4, 3.1, the average is 3.5. You say, wait a minute, all those numbers are below 3.5. So there must be one number that is actually skewing that, which hasn't been revealed to us. That's the 16 to 19 years. Ah. It's a small group. It's about 17 million people. And the unemployment rate there is 12.1. So the number unemployed is actually only 680,000. But you see, that bumps the number up. That's what we've been saying for quite some time, though, Lindsay, is that really, truly, when you're down at this level of employment, there just aren't people available to take jobs. Now, we can argue about quality of jobs and whether some people are having to do two jobs to make you know, ends meet and uh, you know how difficult it is at, 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 at the bottom level. And we can argue all those cases, but the number actually still says 3.5%, including 12.1% in the young ages. So... You know, what What else can we say about it? And I, I thought it was quite interesting because I looked at the number unemployed in the total civilian, popular, civilian non-institutional population. And the number unemployed in September 2018 was 5,766,000. And we're now down to 5,465,000. So there's 300,000 have fewer unemployed. Now, the problem with unemployed is it also depends how long it is, whether how long you've been unemployed. It also depends on whether you're actively seeking work or you're discouraged. You know, so we get a lot of extra, extra numbers and words, you know, relating around that. Listen, one of the things I would like to say to you is that when it comes to politics, I think Mr. Trump may have got it wrong here because of his anti-immigration policy, because what's going to happen is, as you've just quite rightly pointed out, there's not enough people to fill the jobs that are available in the United States of America. So what will happen is that uh, firstly, the economy will suffer uh, because of the lack of productivity, because of the lack of skills. And secondly, if there are people available for certain jobs, they will demand more and then inflation will go up and interest rates will go up. That's my conspiracy theory anyway. Yeah, well, again, we've got the conundrum, you know, of the fact that in times like this, when workers are hard to come by, uh, General Motors are striking because, uh, you know, robots can take their place. Mm. And electric vehicles are coming in, which have fewer moving parts and all the rest. So, you know, we have got a, you know, a, 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 a problem of rubber meeting road. Uh, which they've got to solve. But as I said, I personally, if I were a, a, a central banker, would not put unemployment at the top of my list of priorities. What would be the top of, of your Janet list? Yellen did. Well, no, I, I would be saying I must normalise interest rates. I must have somewhere to fall back 
from if, in fact, things do get uh, uh, tricky. And as it turns out, outside of the United States, Lindsay, they are getting tricky in many places, not including India, as it turns out. There are some problems there. But the uh, the Chinese obviously have to face, you know, lower, lower demand for their goods. And uh, that's taking a toll. Uh, if, if we look at Germany, we're talking about, you know, stall speed economy. But again, I've had, had this conversation with you a number of times. You know, you can't breathe in nonstop. Sooner or later, you have to exhale. And that's just what economies do. You know, after a boom period, you need a period of exhalation. And it's, it's something that's good for the body and good for the economy. And it does a few things and sorts things out. What we do need, and we don't necessarily have it here in South Africa, which we'll deal with just now, but the, uh, the, the point is you don't want the people who are at the bottom end of the pile really suffering, and particularly you don't want their children suffering through no fault of their own. So there need to be social back, uh, you know, safeguards and, and, and backstops you know, for, that, for that situation. But again, you won't get that if your government is overspending on all its budgets all the time then you don't have the money to help the people when they do need it. Listen, unless medical science advances very, very quickly, you and after you and I are dead, there will be legions, there will be swarms, there will be herds of people that will never have a job in their life, and that will create social unrest. And I think that the pension industry, the financial services industry, and more importantly, governments must put together think tanks to work out how they are going to survive or how they're going to control this, because things are happening regularly. HSBC today, according to the FT, is going to shed 10,000 jobs. Now, okay, they employ 240,000 people, but those jobs are going to be eroded over the next few years and decades. Well, again, society adjusts. And, you know, we used to work, uh, you know, uh, five and a half day week, uh, five and a half day weeks. Some people were working six day weeks. We've turned that into basically five day weeks, except now a lot of people work Saturdays and Sundays. And lo and behold, we've also created 24-7 shopping in many countries other than, than South Africa. And what I'm saying is that society adjusts, people have more leisure time, therefore they find more leisure pursuits, and that keeps people going. Mm. And again, I, you know, if you watch some of the rugby over the weekend, you would have seen stadia chock full of people. Yeah, but that's Japan. Never played rugby. Yeah, but listen, yes, that, that's Japan. Most people you... have never played rugby in their lives. But again, you see, leisure is, is, is filling up or finding ways to fill it up. Now, again, I hate to say this, but there is absolutely no economic value in 15 people pounding 15 other people for 90 minutes and having a crowd roaring. The economic value is the fact that they drink a whole lot more, they eat, eat various bits, they've got the, the, uh, the travel to get there and back. Uh, but it really doesn't do much for the world economy and GDP. <laughs> but I'm saying, do you know people who wanted to miss it? And the answer is no. And we will carry on <laughs> doing these leisure pursuits because, A, they are much more available, and, B, because we enjoy them enormously. I will tell you uh, two, and, two things now, listen. Say, no, before you go on, I'll tell you two things. Number one, a rugby match, and you should know this because you know a lot more about rugby than me. A, a rugby match is 80 minutes, not 90 minutes. You're thinking of football. Maybe you're a closet football supporter. That's no, number you're one. Right, you're quite right. Number two, <laughs> number two, listen, is that Tokyo has a population of 38 million 
It was a genius stroke to make Japan the host of the 2019 Rugby World Cup. And there are so many hundreds of thousands of people that have gone there, and each of them is spending apparently 120 US dollars per day boosting the Japanese economy. So I don't know what point I'm trying to make here, apart from the fact that the Qatar World Athletics Championships have been so poorly attended that it makes me think of one word, and that is corruption and bribery. Why were they there? Just as a precursor to the 2022 Football World Cup? I don't know. But Tokyo and Qatar, two completely different examples of leisure time. Well, exactly the same story. I mean, South Africa hosted the Rugby World Cup, and we built a a number of stadia, and they cost 27,000 million rand to build. And I'm told the Cape Town Stadium costs 40 million rand a month to keep up. Yes. You know, I don't know how much good we did for our economy. Uh, we were supposed to get masses of tourists. As a result, people came to see South Africa, loved it. They were going to bring their families, you know, in the years to come. Only trouble is we shot ourselves in the foot with all kinds of problems and, and, uh, and crime. So we haven't really had the benefit of that. And if you look at Australia, I mean, they've run the Olympics twice, but they've almost reused old stadia. You know, it's not a case of they had to build brand new. They might have had to refurbish, sure, but they didn't have to go through all the infrastructure. Remember how much huge infrastructure we had to put in uh, at the request of FIFA, of course. So, you know, what what I'm saying is, yes, there is a lot of extra building and activity if you are hosting something like the the Soccer World Cup, which is, of course, you know, a hundred times bigger than the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, okay. Anyway, we've got on to sport rather than uh, monetary policy and the US jobs number. What does Jay Powell, who is the chair of the US Federal Reserve and the FOMC, what is he and his team going to do now? It's a conundrum. Well, again, he's as erratic as his president. He says, on the one hand, the American economy is in a good place. And it's such a good place, we've got to cut interest rates. Um, I didn't get that one at the time. I don't get it now. I didn't get it when Janet Yellen said it. I say, guys, when an economy is running is the time that you move those interest rates up a quarter of a percent a time. Nobody really notices it, and it really doesn't hurt. But if you wait until there's another implosion, and by the way, keeping interest rates artificially low does exactly the same thing as the long-term capital uh, management problem in 1998 and the global financial crisis of uh, 2008. It says risk is not priced in to many financial instruments. And then suddenly, you know, the risk hits And I'm afraid to say that we could be heading down that way. I think the banks are in better shape. I think that the authorities will be in better shape to handle it. But actually, the problem is still the same. People are taking risks because there is no payday. If you can borrow at at 2% and invest at 4%, how much would you like to borrow? The answer is infinity, as much as I can. Okay, let's come back to South Africa now, if we can, Liston, the interest rate policy of the South African Reserve Bank, because it's been so ultra-cautious and the economy is so ultra-bad that I can't see how the two marry themselves together. Well, again, I think that the only person who can answer that is the governor himself. And typically he answers it this way, that, you know, as long as there are problems in the fiscus, 
and uh, there are a, a, a number of other uh, uh, social problems with the danger that we will get downgraded. He, the last thing he needs to be seen doing is cutting interest rates and the, the, the ratings, agency, ratings agencies say that's the last straw. Uh, we're downgrading South Africa, in which case all hell breaks loose. So I definitely feel for the man. <laughs> I think he has one of the hardest jobs there is. And he works once every two months and he sits down and has a cup of tea and a biscuit with his fellow MPC uh, members. But obviously I'm being facetious here. But I just think, just be bold occasionally. Because one thing that I will say, that the man and woman in the street in South Africa, 90% of them do not get affected by an interest rate change. But on the other hand, corporates are affected by an interest rate change. So let's go mad and cut by 75 basis points or 1% over the next two to three months before the end of the year. And corporates will then unleash a tidal wave of spending and that will create jobs. Am I being simplistic? I think you're being simplistic. It might create jobs everywhere except here. We'll buy more T-shirts and, and more tracksuits made in, uh, in the Far East. <laughs> so I'm not sure that it will create the jobs here. I think, and I've quoted this elsewhere, but I'm not sure if I've ever done it on your program, Lindsay. Go on. And it's not my quote. I, I will tell you that it, is, it belongs to Iraj Abedian, a well-known economist in South Africa. And he said the problem in South Africa is that the economy is two-thirds first world, one-third third world, and the population is exactly the other way around. So mm. if I had to give any advice to anybody, I would say change the economy. It's easier than changing the people. That's very interesting, Liston. I shall quote you on that uh, later on, if I can just write that down after we've edited this uh, interview. Is there anything else you're looking at at the moment? Because uh, you're in rare form today. Well, again, just looking at, at the market itself. Uh, and as you know, we've gone nowhere you know, for quite some time. But we do get these very occasional, um, what I can call uh, supernovas. And today it happens to be a company called Clicks. Well, yes, 11% and, uh, up. As usual, I, I went and had a, you know, had a look at you know, the big ups and downs of the day. And goodness me, the big up of today is Clicks. It is up over 11% in a market that isn't doing an awful lot. So you then have to say to yourself, my goodness me, you know, what could have caused that? And you look down and you will see, and it's quite true, uh, that they have given a trading update and said, oops, sorry, uh, we thought we were only going to be 10% up on our earnings, but we're now going to be up 15% in our earnings. That's 5% better. So maybe the shares should have gone up 5% or so, but they've gone up 11 And uh, again, I'm just marveling at the fact that any good news is seized upon, absolutely seized upon, because we're so starved of good news. The, the word is, and I spoke about this with Greg Davies on the opening on strictlybusinesspodcast.com this morning, and he said, there are some hedge funds that are short of this. And that's obviously the whisper amongst the financial services grapevines. There are hedge funds that are short of this. And he said at a certain level at the moment, and I think it was 237, and he said, expect it to be higher later on. So he was absolutely right. So it's a short squeeze list and apart from a fairly decent trading update. Well, again, you know, shorting something like clicks is not very clever, simply because it doesn't have that, um, that amount of trade. But the real surprise, I guess, is that if you look at the top value traded, 
you know, it's nearly always NASPERS followed by process, followed by either an Anglos or a Standard Bank or a something. Today, the second biggest trader is a company called Clicks, mm. second only to NASPERS and ahead of process. Exactly, and that lends, so its, that lends the hedge fund argument even a, more credence. No, but one of this, one of this very quickly <laughs> says, you know, as an analyst, one of your biggest tasks now is just to avoid the, uh, you know, the, the landmines and really to try to find something that could surprise on the upside. It doesn't have to surprise by a big amount, but those are the ones that you should be looking for. Yeah, people are latching on to any piece of good news in South Africa. Liston, thank you very much for your insight. Liston Mainchies can be contacted at the following email address, liston at liston.co.za. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. To receive Liston's charts and other exclusive content, go to strictlybusinesspodcast.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and subscribe.